How's it going? Okay, so if you're hearing this, you're probably like, what's going on? Why are you talking to me like this? Uh, well, so we, we, we went through a rebrand. We originally were, speaking of which, we're now Drunken Book Club. But I wanted to keep old episodes alive. So here are the episodes before the main update to Drunken Book Club. These are, you know, episodes that we did on a bunch of different books before we rebranded to Drunken Book Club. I keep referring to us as Drunken Book Club, but also reference speaking of which, which is the old podcast. So there we are. Also, our new socials for this are at DBC underscore pod for Twitter. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash Drunken Book Club. Definitely recommend checking it out. It's only a dollar a month, and you can tell us what books to read. All right, well, that's it. You guys enjoy the episode. Bye-bye. Have you ever thought to yourself, hey, these guys should talk about this book on Drunken Book Club? Or even, hey, I want to hear them gush about this on Rubles Rupees. Well, guess what? We'll listen to you if you pitch in a dollar on our Patreon. That's right, for one dollar, we'll listen to you. And along with that dollar, you know what else you get? You get access to all the bonus episodes that I put out every single week, including the backlogs, and early access to all our podcasts and videos, and everything else that I put up on there. So for a dollar, I think it's pretty much worth it, but you be the judge. Check it out. It's at patreon.com slash speaking of which. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to a very solemn Thanksgiving Drunken Book Club. I'm your gobbledygook host, Christopher the Ruble, joined with... Sam, I don't really have a good... You don't have one? I'm sorry, I don't. Oh, we read a book about a turkey. Couldn't you be the gobbles or something? Gobbles! I'm gobbles. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep my head down and... Step through the ring, yep. but not. <laughs> <laughs> and if you couldn't tell from our little introduction, we read, or if you didn't read the, ti- the title, I mean, who opens a podcast and doesn't check what the title, what they're doing? Maybe they're just going through like they're, like they just listened to the last one and it's going to the next one now? Or the, the newest one. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, but this Drunken Book Club, we're reading the Bone Chillers classic, Franken Turkey. Uh, this is the third book in the Bone Chiller series. Oh, we forgot to watch the episode. I was about to mention that. We can do a bonus episode of it. Yeah. Let's do that. Let, I think, you know what? This this week's, or the, the week afterwards, bonus episode is going to be our review of the Bone Chillers episode of Frank and Turkey. For all you Patreon fans out there, so Ooh. all zero of you. But hey, one dollar you get that unlocked, so here we go. Uh, but let's, what did we pregame on this time around for this Drunken Book Club? Uh, Sam, you want to start off? So, I had a cranberry vodka. Yep. And now I am on a Angry Orchard Green Apple with a shot of Fireball. To make an apple pie. Yep. And I had a shot, or I, I took a swig of wild turkey, and, oh god, that shit is strong. It is so freaking strong. Oh, man, I regret getting wild turkey. <laughs> well, I think we also, we didn't just get normal wild turkey. We got, like, the 100-proof wild turkey. That's all wild turkey. Really? All wild turkey? All wild turkey is that. Wild turkey is a wild turkey. It is a fucking deranged animal. Fear it. That's st- that used to be on my sister's roof. Yep. And she'd be terrified of it, because they're mean fucking birds. And uh, I'm currently nursing a Paps Blue Ribbon coffee. Uh, and we kind of made our drinking list based around uh, Thanksgiving stuff, because wild turkey, the turkey, vodka, cranberry, cranberry sauce for the side, 
uh, apple pie and coffee with desserts. So that that's kind of where we went with our drinks. I think it's kind of fun little. We had a little fun with our drinks this time around. Nice seasonal yeah. fit with the book. Yeah, I was about to say next month will be nice and easy because there's a million fucking Christmas drinks. Peppermint schnapps. Ugh, no, thank you. I mean, I could do that. All right, so I guess we need to start talking about the book. So, do we want us to talk about the cover first, or our guess of what the book was before we started reading it? Let's talk about the cover because the cover. I'm still trying to figure out certain aspects of it. Okay, you want to talk about it first, or you want me to read my blip of what so, I said? I will describe it as I see it. Okay. So it is a turkey. It looks like it's ripping out of something with two green hands. Okay, that's how the last bone chillers was as well. There's always okay. these green hands. Ripping it apart, and then there's like a face in the background. Yeah, that's always that's how it is. That's, okay, that's that's how the last bone chillers. I didn't remember well. that, and I was just like, it looks like it's ripping through like that one lady from that end of the universe episode of Doctor Who that says moisturize me. <laughs> I think you made that joke last time as well. I stand by it. <laughs> okay, well for me, I, the the last bone chiller we read. I poked fun at the whole hands grabbing the cover and tearing it apart to show us a little bug lady in a cafeteria. But for this cover, it actually really works, I think. Because we have the titular Franken-Turkey bursting out at the reader with stitches and closing around its neck, close to the head and bolts sticking out from the sides. This ghoulish turkey is a pretty creepy with haunting eyes that stare into your soul. They're a little, like, off-kilter, though, so it's a little funny. And you can kind of see the mask. Yes. It kind of. I don't, I don't know. I feel like... It it does not best represent what it looks like in the book. This was definitely... I believe Tim Jacobus did the covers for Bone Chillers, if I'm not mistaken. The the guy who did uh, a bunch of Goosebumps covers, or pretty much all the Goosebumps for the most part. Uh, he also did the Bone Chillers covers, if I'm not mistaken. So I think he was just like, okay, Franken-Turkey, yeah, I'll just draw a turkey with stitches and fucking bolts. But I think it's a pretty cool cover. I, I mean... I don't think the tur- the title Franken-Turkey will make me go, ooh, I want to read that as a kid. I think I'd be like, I don't think I'll read that. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, whatever. I feel like I feel like early bone chillers just have this weird, I'm not interested. Because like, the first three are Beware the Shopping Mall and Little Pet Shop of Horrors. And Back to School is the third one. And this is the fourth one. Sorry, sorry. I guess this is the fourth one in the series. My mistake from earlier for saying this was the third one. Don't correct me, people. I can't read. Oh my god, baby turkeys are kind of cute. Stop looking at baby turkeys. What? Okay, so let's get into what did you think the book was going to be about, Sam? Before I... we, we go deep diving into my description. So I thought it was going to be like they go and kill a Thanksgiving turkey, but then it comes back for revenge. Okay. I thought it was going to be kids raising a turkey, and they were like, oh shit, the turkey died before Thanksgiving, we need to resurrect it. So kind of similar to yours, and they resurrect it, and it's like, oh god, Franken-Turkey. So, that that's my thing, at least. Do you have your notes? Yes, I do. Okay, they're on your phone? Yes. I can't pick, I can't pick on you for being on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> no looking at anything but your notes, Sam. Stop okay. looking at baby turkeys. I was looking at turkey facts. Goblets. We can, we can talk about turkey facts later, at the okay. end. That's fair, right? That's fair. Alright, chapter one. We're introduced to our lead character, Kyle Dugan. His sister Annie and the family's fat golden retriever named Trouble. They live in an old Massachusetts farmhouse. The two siblings are cautiously leaving their house early in the morning, trying to avoid a bully by the name of Jake Wilbanks. The coast is clear and they rush to the bus stop. 
Unfortunately for Kyle, Jake appears from behind a tree, and his description is beautiful. Uh, Sam, can you read page two, last paragraph, to the end of said paragraph on page three? Suddenly, Jake Wilbank stepped from behind a tree. He was in sixth grade, the same as Kyle, but he was twice as big as Kyle was. He had greasy brown hair, mean, beady little eyes, and the shadow of a mustache on his upper lip. Yeah, that's a great description of this gross, gross child. Who can't stop having the fucking sniffles and being like... This is a gross child. This is our child. <laughs> he got your dad's genes. I'm gonna say he has that, like, freak growth spurt where yeah. he looks like he's, like, 20 and he's still 12. It's a fucking nuclear waste. Fucking Godzilla syndrome that your dad has. I wonder if there's someone further, like, down, like, a great-grandfather or something that's fucking huge. Jake taunts Kyle about trying to outsmart him, and we learn that Kyle and his family had moved from Florida to Massachusetts over the summer. Uh, Jake is the bully of the story and takes Kyle's lunch money every day and punches him in the gut along with it. (laughs) Because Jake is probably abused at home in some form. I'm thinking neglected. Yeah, maybe. Along with his beating, today Jake tells Kyle to get on his knees and do the the unspeakable. Say that he's a wimp ten times. (laughs) <laughs> what do you think he was going to do, Sam? No, I, I, I'm more... Pl- it is sixth grade, after all. <laughs> Annie, being the sweet sister that she is, says she'll tell on Jake, but Kyle does as he's told to avoid any more punishment. We find out in inner monologue that they moved to Massachusetts because they moved into the house his father grew up in, and Kyle hates it there. And this will probably be important to the story later. His mom is his teacher at school. Also, we finish this chapter with how every great young adult book ends a first chapter. Let us read the last part of page five, Sam. This morning, Kyle's hands were shaking as he dug his lunch money out of his pocket. He handed it to Jake and braced himself for the punch. This is the worst day of my life, he thought miserably. Little did he know, things were going to get a lot worse. All right, so a couple of my little notes here. Honest question here. Did you ever know someone who had a bully like this that would wail on people? Because I only knew bullies who used their words and size to intimidate people. I've never really seen anyone, like, actually physically punch someone as a bully. I never saw punching. I saw kicking. And it would usually be, like, it was this one fucking kid. Yeah. In fifth grade. That would, like, kick people under the table. Because we'd, like, be in squares. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So everyone would be against, like, across from each other. And he'd just, like, kick whoever it was, like, that was in front of him. And I think, I, I can't remember. I think his name was, like... It was, it was like Christian or Jesus, because I like made the joke, I'm like, his name should have been like Diablo or fucking Satan. <laughs> Chapter 2. The school bus drops the kids at school. Kyle feels distraught since he hasn't made any new friends yet, but watches three boy pal, boys pal around and wants to join them, but just can't do it. But before he can emo it up anymore, the school bell rings and he hears someone call him. It's one of the boys he was watching, and they admire that he's not getting bullied by Jake anymore. Kyle goes along with it, but fears that what will happen if they find out he's lying and that Jake is still a persistent threat. So what's your what's your thoughts on the new kid and the, and the new kid trope? Like, this whole, like, I'm a new kid and I'm, like, I'm a loner kind of thing. Like, in some ways I get it because especially, like, with 6th grade where they're going with, where it's K through 6, mm-hmm. they've had 6 years to know each other. Yeah. So it's these friends that have probably known each other since kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Whereas this new kid, they're like, I don't know, and especially with the mom being the teacher, they're oh, yeah, probably, that's the worst. like, that's gonna kill it, no matter what. Yeah. And then, but it's also, like, with the whole, like, loner, mm-hmm. like, he could have found something that they were interested in. <laughs> that's next year. 
Oh, you're right. Um, but... Cal gets to class, and the teacher, his mom, announces they'll be doing a reenactment of the first Thanksgiving. Some of you will be pilgrims, and some of you will be Indians. Jake says he wants to be an Indian, and so do some of the other boys, and they start whooping like Native Americans would do. <laughs> Racism alarm. Racism alarm. Kyle is sad because he knows he'll get stuck being a pilgrim, since teacher's kids always get stuck in the position no one else wants. And can we read the last page, the last sentence on page nine? With my luck, Jake will get to be an Indian and I'll get scalped. Racism alarm. Uh, I was like... That's pretty bad. <sighs> Chapter 3. Kyle is still depressed and he gets called called for dinner. He mopes about handling the bully situation on his own because if he tells, tells, it'll only be worse. Honestly, I hate that trope of don't tell on a bully. Just tell. Most of the time it works out. Yeah. Like, legit. Just, just tell on them. Tell an adult. Tell an adult. It, it fucking helps most of the time. Like, nowadays it feels like it doesn't, but I know back then it definitely worked. Well, I feel like in a, it, it, it also depends on, like, who you tell kind of thing. Yeah. Because one of the things that... I feel like his if he told his mom, the teacher... She would shut that shit down. Yeah. But I feel like he's also in the precarious situation of Jake could work that. Yeah. Of basically being like, oh, every time someone does something he doesn't like, he's just going to go to his mommy. Yeah. So, like, that I can I at least say, see. I, I can get that as well. At dinner, Kyle's parents try to cheer him up, but it doesn't work. He tries convincing them to go back to Florida for Thanksgiving so they can have Thanksgiving on the beach like they used to. Also, is this a thing in Florida? Like, like do Floridian, native Floridians just have, you know, beach party fucking Thanksgiving? I feel like that's like a rich white people thing. It sounds like it. Cause... I, I know we have a listener from Florida, and we do have a, fi- a, a friend, uh, Max, from Florida... Uh, I kind of I don't know if he was by the beach though. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like it also depends on what part of Florida. Yeah. But I feel like, in some ways, I feel like that would suck because preparing everything and getting it on the they beach. They got sand in the potato salad. Yeah, basically. To quote Rocket Power. We got sand in the potato salad. Uh, <laughs> the parents refuse and say that they can start a new tradition by dressing as pilgrims. Cal jokingly asks if they can invite some Indians, and his sisters calls out his race's ass and corrects him by saying, They're Native Americans? Thank you, Annie, for being the true hero of the book. His parents say that they meant that they can do it like the olden days, like making pumpkin pumpkin pie uh, the old-fashioned way from scratch, and roasting marshmallows over a fire. Honestly, that sounds kind of good. Like, the the marshmallows over an open fire sounds really good. That sounds really nice. The pumpkin from scratch, my mom, like, told... I was like, can't we do that? And she's like... She's like, we could, but it's not going to be as good. Yeah. Because part of it is also getting the puree well enough mm-hmm. so that you don't have the weird stringy shit. Yeah. And, yeah. That's a bitch. And also, like, the added sugar and flavoring that the pumpkin pie filling usually already has. Maybe my mom... Well, no, never mind. I have to go to work early or else we could have probably done, like, a late night... A fire outside of my mom's and what's it called roasted marshmallows. Yeah, but maybe maybe for New Year's if uh, Kelly lets me off early enough on that day, we can roast marshmallows. Yeah. Then Mr. Dugan has the grand slam of all ideas. He says they'll raise a turkey so they can slaughter it for Thanksgiving, and Mrs. Dugan says that they can even use it for the play. Kyle hates this idea and cries to himself that this will be the worst Thanksgiving. Oh, boo, boo. I put, um, nothing says tradition like murder. 
Because I know we, I know to eat turkey, the bird has to die. Yes. But it's also like... Is it murder if you're killing a bird? But either way, it's still one of those, like, the fact that the dad's like, I want to do it myself. Turkeys don't have souls. Your sister can account for this. I mean, I don't, I think my sister doesn't think any bird has souls. I mean, that's fair. I think some birds red do. Red bird does. Yeah, red bird. That's what I'm talking about. Red burb does. Red burb has soul. Chapter four. <laughs> the next day they go out to get their turkey that they'll be raising. Kyle bitches and moans about the weather. They go to Berkowitz's feed store and he shows them his birds. And he comments about pennies on the ground. And Berkowitz says that turkeys are so dumb that if you don't put something shiny on the ground, they won't know there's food there. I think they're at least smart enough to know food. Yeah, I feel like this is fucking BS. Like, that's such fucking bullshit. And wouldn't they eat the pennies? Like, that's my other I don't think is... they'd eat the pennies. Couldn't they? Eat the pennies, Billy. <laughs> the kids find a turkey that's a, that's separate from the other ones. And Cal thinks he's being bullied, too. So they choose this Melvin of a turkey. They return home and prepare the old chicken coop for their turkey, even though they should have had this done already. Then they get the turkey, which comes directly to Annie when it's called, and doesn't mind being held and hugged by her. It's adorable. Child, do not get attached to dinner. <laughs> Is my note there. They put the turkey in the coop and feed it and water it. Cal wonders if they should scatter pennies to ensure that it eats. But without warning, the turkey begins eating without the aid of Shiny. Shiny. The kids head back inside and hope that that it'll go inside the chicken house where it is warmer. Is it weird? The first thing I thought when I talked about how it was like smaller and like the loser, the first thing I thought of was Gobbles. I thought of Gobbles as well from that South Park episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and can we read the last two paragraphs of this chapter? Uh, also, can we put romantic music over this reading? Thank you. Okay, so Chris, cue the romantic music. Kyle glanced out the window. A weird feeling came over him. The little turkey was pressed against the chicken wire, and he was staring longingly back at Kyle. That sounds like a romantic thing, right? <laughs> that, that's why I had, to add, I had to make sure I had romantic music. Chapter 5. The kids watch the turkey as it stares back at them. They want to bring it inside, but Dad says no and to stop getting attached to it. Mom says not to name it or else trouble will get jealous, which I'm guessing means that they'll end up keeping it as a pet, is what she's referring to. Cal feels sorry, feels sorry for the bird and goes out to finish its residence with some straw. Uh, sorry, furnish its residence with some straw, not finish it. <laughs> he talks to the turkey and it gobbles at him. He picks up the turkey to cuddle with it and gives it the name Gobbledygook. Suddenly, Kyle hears a loud roar, and then a large shadow comes over the two of them. Chapter 6. It's just Trouble the dog. Kyle tells Trouble to go back inside as he places the turkey back in the pen. Trouble doesn't listen to him, but sniffs at Gobbles, and they become quick friends. This excites Kyle, and he heads inside and tells Annie about the name he gave the turkey, and how it became friends instantly with Trouble. Dad walks in and tells the kids about their responsibility of raising the turkey. They need to feed and water it every morning before school, and to do it again when they get back and clean its pen. Kyle complains they won't have enough time to do that and reach the bus. Dad explains that he'll be dropping them off. Kyle gets excited because this means he'll be missing his daily beatings from Jake. My question is, why didn't they do that before? Like, if it already was feasible, why not do it already, Dad? Chapter 7. The next morning at school, Jake tots Kyle about getting dropped off and demands to know why because he's a little nosy piece of shit. <laughs> Kyle explains the turkey situation. 
Kyle doesn't believe him, but says he'll have to go over there to see if it's true, and makes this threat that I thought was hilarious. Can we reach page 30? I'll, I'll point it out to you. Is it the part about strangling the turkey? Maybe. I guess I'll have to check him out, said Jake. You better be telling the truth. If you aren't, I'll teach you a lesson you'll never forget. He started to strut away towards the school and stopped and turned back. And even if you are, I might just decide to wring that stupid bird's neck and then break off a drumstick and eat it. You know what, kid? I literally broke a fucking drumstick off of a fucking turkey. That's really hard. I'm just gonna say it. I also think it's kind of a really concerning thing that he states of, like, threatening to harm animals. Yeah. Because... Well, I mean, Sam, Sam, Sam. Let's be let's be real here. It's really hard to break a drumstick off of a turkey. I did it last night, and I accidentally True. took off the hip. Yeah. This kid is, 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 is... I mean, he may be a giant. He might be Conan-sized little baby... Baby Conan here, but he's not going to kill the bird. We, we we find out soon enough. But I'm just saying it's still creepy. It it is very it's concerning. I would say it's concerning. Yeah, that's creepy. that's more what I mean. It's like it's concerning. I was like, what the that fuck? afternoon, Kyle tells Annie of the situation. Situation. She's afraid for the turkey's life, and then says that Jake doesn't take the afternoon bus. She thinks he could be at their house killing gobbles now. When the kids get to their stop, they rush home and find the turkey safe and sound. Kyle devises a plan to keep Gobbles safe from their parents and Jake. They hide Gobbles and then replace him with a bogus turkey. And he thinks it's a dumb plan. And asks where they can even get a bogus turkey. Kyle says he's got it figured out. In chapter 8. Kyle takes the turkey into the cellar to keep it safe. Next, Kyle tells Annie to grab as much money as she can. And they, and they including Trouble, head into town. They head inside the supermarket and grab a turkey about the size... About the same size as Gobbles. They head back home and it starts to rain heavily. Kyle tells Annie to get a pillowcase and a bunch of wire hangers and to meet them in the garage. And here's what happens. Uh, Let's read page 39 from the top. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot that happens in this I'm just going to say like the summary of it. The end I just put what the fuck. Yes. It was hard to see what he was doing in the gloomy garage. He went to his father's workbench and found a flashlight. He turned it on and sat on the wooden beam so that it shone down on the turkey carcass. Next, he pulled the rubber monster mask that he had worn on Halloween out of his jacket pocket. It was blood red and had a huge orange beak covered with grungy-looking warts. It may not look much like gobbles, but it's the best I can do, he thought as he stuffed the mask with wadded-up newspaper. Lightning flashed outside, illuminating the room for a split second. Just then, Annie ran into the garage, followed by trouble. She let out a shriek at the sight of the mask. The coat hangers... She was carrying clattered on the floor. What's that? She demanded. Take it easy, he said. It won't hurt you. It's our bogus bird. Come here and help me put it together. Annie eyed him nervously for a moment and then murmured, Okay. Together they went to work in the circle of light from the flashlight. An occasional flash of lightning lit up the whole garage, making the flashlight's beam seem weak and dim by comparison. Kyle carefully connected the Halloween mask to the frozen bird with the wire coat hangers. Annie slit open the pillow and glued the feathers to the bird. Next, the kids found a can of brown paint and two brushes on their father's workbench and painted the feathers the same dark brown as the color of gobbles. Gobbles! He looks pretty good, if you ask me, said Kyle, standing next to him by their handiwork. He looks weird to me, mumbled Annie. Suddenly, the storm turns worse. Lightning is striking closer and closer until finally it strikes through the window, hitting the clothes hanger abomination. The storms le- the storm leaves as fast as it came. The fake turkey was no longer a frozen corpse defaced with childish things. It was now trying to move. 
into chapter 9. Annie comments that the creature kind of looks like gobbles. The kids can't take their eyes off of their creation. It suddenly hops off the table and starts picking at a loose nail on the ground. Trouble starts to bark and growl at the creature and won't listen to Kyle's commands to stop. They let the dog out. The two comment on its similarities to gobbles. Everything but its eyes, which are red. Something bothers Kyle about the turkey, but he just can't put his finger on what it is. He sits down and calls the turkey over. It comes to him, and he pets it and realizes it realizes what it is. He sits down and calls the turkey over. It comes to him, and he pets it and realizes it feels like a turkey and not like a rubbery mask. They take the creature out to its pen and leave it there. They ponder how this could have happened. And Kyle finally gets it and tells the audience an inaccurate version of Frankenstein. The two are shocked at the realization and in unison say, they say, Franken-Turkey! Chapter 10. Hold on real quick. Yes. I think, I feel like they watched part of a movie of Frankenstein. I think they w- tried watching the old Universal one and got bored. That's, that, that's in my review at the end. I, I'll, I'll get into that. More. Yeah. Yeah, because it is a terrible description of what happens. I was like, they definitely didn't read the book. <laughs> yeah, they, oh, no, they did not. And I am a huge, I am a huge fan of the book. I was going to say, I have not read it, but I can at least say that I know that's not even close it's, to... It's a hard read if you don't like old books, because, you know, old books tend to have this weird kind of way to them, but I really like Frankenstein. But we'll get into that at the end, during my review uh, a process. So chapter 10. The parents get home and say they were out shopping for Thanksgiving. They don't seem to notice anything different with their with their replacement turkey. They talk about what they picked up. It's mostly fabric for the costumes for the play and their own Thanksgiving. Then there's a knock at the door. The kids worry it's a monster and tells their parents not to open the door. Dad ignores their warnings and opens it to a chapter break. Chapter 11. It's motherfucking Jake. Motherfucker. He whistles his way inside by saying he's a friend of Kyle's and that he wants to see the turkey. Mr. Dugan leads his leads him outside, and Kyle tries to come up with something to prevent him from seeing it, but Dad ignores him. Seriously, tell your parents about bullying. Yes. They head outside, and the Franken-turkey is still there, looking like gobbles. Trouble comes charging up, but stops when he sees Franken-turkey and cowers behind Kyle. Trouble knows devils when he sees them. Chapter 12. The parents leave the three kids with the turkey and head inside. Once inside, Jake says he's gonna fuck that turkey up. He picks it up by its neck and dangles it in the air. He asks if they named the bird yet, and Kyle says under his breath, Franken-turkey. At the sound of his name, the turkey starts to freak out and squirm. It lets out a mighty squawk and gets free and starts flying around Jake's head, hitting it with its wings and clawing at him. It then goes for Jake's head, and Kyle exclaims that Frankenturkey is going, to, is going for his eyes. Jake covers his face and runs into the woods, with Frankenturkey slowly chasing him. The siblings are excited, but not before Frankenturkey turns back and starts going after them. They rush inside their house and narrowly make it inside safely. Chapter 13 the siblings regret their creation and ask how the monster in Frankenstein was killed, which they reference the movie incorrectly and say that the villagers trap it in a castle and burn it down. But in the movie, it's a fucking windmill. Yeah, I was like, isn't it a windmill? It's like a windmill in the movie. That's the one thing I know is that it's a fucking windmill, partially because we watched Frankenweenie. Frank <laughs> I was about to say, because you've, you've seen Frankenweenie enough times. 
I only saw it once, actually. You've seen it enough times. Or twice, technically, because I saw both versions. Yes. But that's the movie. The book is completely different, but we're not talking about that one here. Actually, technically, he does get killed in the... They think he dies in the castle, but he doesn't die in the castle. Eh, whatever. It's, there's, there's, it's, there's a lot of shit going on in Frankenstein. Basically, they weren't paying attention one way or another. Yes. Yes. They, they didn't read the cliff notes of this, okay? Uh, <laughs> Andy says they should burn down the hen house, but Kyle uh, responsibly says they shouldn't because they could end up burning down the forest around them. Remember, only you can prevent forest fires. The next day, Kyle gets to school, and Jake is telling the other kids how bloodthirsty Frankenturgy is and how he fought it off. Jonathan, Jason, and Eric ask if what Jake is saying is true. And Kyle says that his bird wouldn't hurt a flea, and that Jake is a big chicken. The bell rings, and everyone heads to class. Along the way, Kyle is stopped by Jake, who threatens him out of fear more than anything. Kyle admits to Jake that he created Franklin Turkey out of a dead bird and wire hangers, and that it was made to mess up Jake. He then tells him that he can control Franklin Turkey, and he'll sick his bird on him if he doesn't stop messing with him. Jake pisses himself in fear. <laughs> Chapter 14. I mean, honestly, I, I get it. You just have a revenge fantasy fetish, Sam. <laughs> I mean, I have called for the death of children before on, the, on Drunken Book Club. Yes, you have. You just really love the, the corn music video where uh, the guy from Breaking Bad throws up on people during prom when he brings like a stripper with him. And he's like, Oh, oh my broken see you broken. I fucking love that song, but that music video pisses me the fuck off. Corn music videos, for the most part, are bad. I don't think I could probably actually watch that all the way through. Why? Because of the vomit. It's bad. It, it's, it looks fake. True. Chapter 14. Weeks pass, and they continue to feed and care for the two birds. Turkey has grown larger, meaner, and scarier than Gobbles. His beak has grown, and large red warts are spreading across its head like the mask they used. Herpes. They even can see the wire hangers poking out of its back. The Saturday before Thanksgiving, Mr. Dugan comments, uh, sorry, compliments the kids on fanning up the turkey. He plans on getting the axe from downstairs to sharpen it for the beheading. The kids get nervous about Dad finding gobbles downstairs. Cal offers to get the axe, but Dad says no. It's dangerous. Mom says not to kill the turkey too early, as she needs it for the pageant, pageant, pageant on Wednesday. Kyle worries about having Franken turkey loose on school grounds. The kids head out to feed gobbles in the cellar and try to think of a place to hide him. Kyle thinks of a location, and it's a chapter break. Chapter 15. Kyle explains that in the old barn is a doghouse and some chicken wire that wasn't used for the first pen. So they they head into the woods and try to find a secluded enough spot to hide gobbles and make a new penned area. They find a cave in the woods, they set up the chicken wire, and take gobbles there. As they leave, they have second thoughts about leaving the bird by itself in the woods in a cave. Which is kind of fair. Yeah. Chapter 16. They return home and find freaking turkey has escaped from its pen. Ever have a pen escape from the fence or its container, Sam? Um... Not that I remember. Did I ever tell you the story about the black lab, though, that would jump the fence? Yes. Okay, yeah, that's the only thing I have. Yeah, I was about to say. Most dogs that we had, if they got out, they would just be at the front door as soon as I got back from school and be like, oh, hey, why'd you get out? And they'd be like, Ugh. I mean, that was basically like that 
that dog. Yeah. And she would just jump over the fence and then jump back. Yeah. And that was just to vibe with the cat next door. <laughs> but even worse, there's a lump of golden fur near the pen. The kids fear the worst and start tearing the place apart looking for trouble. And he finds the poor pup under the porch. He has an ugly gash across his nose and is missing patches of fur. They take him inside and hear their mother's sewing machine going, and they believe father is still in town. They clean up his wound and brush his mangled fur, and he looks better already. And he decides to put an old shirt on the dog to cover a large bald spot on his back. Kyle looks out the window and notices the coop isn't empty anymore. Frankenturkey turkey has returned! <laughs> Chapter 17 They notice that Frankenturkey's head has become the Halloween mask. And even more wire hangers are poking out of its back. The kids then worry about gobbles and fear friggin' turkey may have gone after the timid bird. They decide to check on the turkey in the woods, but before they can even step foot outside, Mom stops in and wants them to try out the pilgrim outfits. Which is stupid to dress up for Thanksgiving, but you know. Hey, Trouble walks in with the pink shirt and cracks up Mrs. Dugan, which, yes, that's adorable. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she thinks it's cute that they're playing dress-up with the animals, as she thinks the turkey is wearing Kyle's Halloween mask. They finish wasting word count by trying on the pilgrim <laughs> outfits and rush out to check on gobbles. They eventually make it to the clearing and chapter break. Chapter 18. The turkey is fine. Word count is hard. It's now Thanksgiving Eve, and Mrs. Dugan is ecstatic about the play today. She asks Kyle to put the turkey in the car and to remove the mask it's still wearing. <laughs> <laughs> Animals and clothes and mask thoughts? Um, Human clothes, not like pet clothes. Yeah, I know. So, one of my dogs had surgery. Yeah. And we couldn't, the cone wouldn't work for him. Yeah. So what we did is we put one of mom's shirts on, mm -hmm. on him, and we just basically, like, tie a knot around it. Yeah. So that any drainage would get on the shirt, and yeah. he wouldn't chew at it. Yeah. Nice. I think if it doesn't hurt or distress the animal. Rerun loved wearing shirts. He was my mom's Sharpay when I was a little kid. He protected me. He loved me. I th and Wilson also liked wearing shirts. I was going to say, like, I remember my sister, like, putting... Um, socks on the cat's head just for a short little bit because watching them try to like back out of it. Yeah, I loved putting socks on Lisa Lisa's heads. I was gonna say, and then it, and it's one of those as long as they don't stay on for long, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's fine. The kids decide that they can't make that monster can't take that monster with them, so they rush into the woods and get gobbles. Uh, they rush back with the turkey and head to school, but to Kyle's dismay, Franken Turkey has escaped his pen and is following them. Chapter 19. It's funny, I was kind of thinking like the lamest, ter you know how the Terminator thing where he's running after the car? Yeah. It's like the lamest version of that, but with a Thanksgiving You're turkey. thinking of the Homer one, aren't you? <laughs> he's gaining on us! Yes. Chapter 19. The van easily outruns Franken-Turkey, but Kyle fears it will find them. It's not a geo. They get to school and are mobbed by students wanting their costumes and to see the bird. Mrs. Dugan... Shoes them away, and the kids head to class. Also, Mom uses the term Thanksgiving Eve, which if that's not a white... Like, if that's not the whitest shit I've heard so far. I mean, that is technically a true term, though. Really? It is the day before Thanksgiving, true. so it would be the eve of Thanksgiving. I just one of those, like, saying it ceremoniously, like, Christmas Eve kind of thing. Yeah, I'll give you that, it's but lame. saying it is Thanksgiving Eve is a correct I'm, term. I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just saying it's a dumb thing to be yeah. excited about. Yeah, okay. Okay, so, calm down. Calm down. We're getting into the good stuff here. Calm down, Sam. So all the kids head to class. Kyle sees the class is fully decorated for the holiday and is sad seeing the other boys dressed 
as stereotypes and said that he can't do red face with them. I put the caucasity of this class as they describe, like, Jake taking off his oh, shirt. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Kyle then feel, feels eyes upon him. It's not the girls or the boys or even Jake who is too busy being a racist doing the tomahawk chop. No, it's a pair of beady red eyes coming from the class window. Chapter 20. He stares at the evil bird, but then is distracted by Jonathan, who asks about his who asks about his turkey. Kyle is then told that he can go get gobbles from the teacher's lounge as soon as he's in costume. He then thinks that Frankenturkey turkey couldn't possibly get inside, and even if he could, he couldn't hurt Kyle with all the other students and the teachers around. Those were his famous last words as Frank and Turkey came in with an AR-15 and asked Kyle if he believes in God. <laughs> okay, the last part wasn't true. Uh, Kyle <laughs> Kyle heads to the, lo- the teacher's lounge, and when he gets there, he sees Frank and Turkey outside the class entrance doors. He hurries, gobbles to the classroom, and all the kids love the bird. But Kyle can't focus on Frank and Turkey... Uh, sorry, Kyle can't focus... As Franken Turkey is lurking outside the window again, like some fucking pervert. <laughs> the kids are wild about that turkey, and Mrs. Dugan tells them to line up to pet the turkey. And when it's Jake's turn, he chickens out, still fearing the bird. Jonathan compliments Kyle's bird and then invites him to ride bikes this upcoming Saturday with the gang. Kyle could burst from joy, but as a sobering thought about Franken Turkey and what the bird may do to him if he's still loose at that time. Chapter 21. Last five chapters. Here we go, guys. Throughout the school day, Kyle kept an eye out for Frank and Turkey, but never saw him. They re- they completely skip over the fucking uh, the Thanksgiving pageant, thank God. Yeah, they're just like, no one wants to hear about this. Yep. As well as, I mean, it's not, it's like nothing important. Unless they got Frank and Turkey attacking it, there, there's nothing they could have yeah. done. Yeah, I'm just saying that's a good thing of like, yeah. the author agrees. Yeah. They return home with Gobbles and question whether to put him in the coop or the cave, since friggin' Turkey hadn't returned yet, but they don't want Gobbles for Thanksgiving dinner. They decide to spare the bird and take it to the cave. They return home and still no friggin' Turkey, even by dinner time. After dinner, Dad gets the axe to take care of the bird, but the kids try to stall him, but it's too late. There is no turkey in the pen, and the kids are blamed for it missing. Mom says it's too late to get anything at the store, and all they have is tuna, so they will have to make tuna casserole for Thanksgiving dinner. Also, with this classic line from her, what would the pilgrims think? Fuck the pilgrims, that's what I think, and Kyle doesn't care e- either. He's just relieved that Turkey isn't here and gobbles the safe. I put the same thing of Kyle's word, who gives a fuck about what the pilgrims think? Right. Fuck the pilgrims, fucking Puritan pieces of shit. Go fuck yourselves. They're gonna think they're sinning for living in a comfortable life and using birth control. Yep. Yes, yes, the daughter's already using birth control at age. No, I'm saying the mom. (laughs) Uh, Oh, God, that just makes me think of this bad, the fucking, what's it called, God's Not Dead 4? Apparently, there's like this line where they're like, they're trying to teach the kids about, look at this pamphlet my daughter got about birth control. She's only in the second grade. And I'm like, this is the stupidest fucking movie. Uh, chapter 22. Sorry. The next morning, the kids get dressed in their pilgrim outfits, even though they're eating tuna casserole for Thanksgiving. The kids wonder what they'll do with gobbles in the future, since it's getting colder now, and how will they be able to go into town and get feed? 
The kids rush out to check on Gobbles. A storm is brewing. Halfway to the cave, the kids fear they're being followed, so they rush to the cave. It's pitch black because of the storm clouds. They find Gobbles, but something has followed them to the cave. It's Jake, the snake. He's gonna come in and bite ya. He asks whether or not the turkey that attacked him earlier in the book was the same one they had brought to school. But before they can answer him, Annie lets out a blood-curdling scream, and Franken-Turkey appears from the cave into chapter 23. They fearfully hug the cave wall and notice a clicking sound when Franken-Turkey walks. One claw has grown longer and knife-like. Jurassic Park ripoff! <laughs> then the rest of the claws popped out like switchblades, one by one. Kyle tells Annie to run and get help, and she does. Jake is a mess on the cave floor, and Franken-Turkey has its eyes on him. Kyle says that he needs to stop being a wuss, and that Franken-Turkey is using bully tactics on him, and they devise a plan to give the monster the slip. As soon as the bird attacks, they both dodge it, and in its confusion, they make a dash for the exit. But Kyle gets ambushed by the bird and tries to protect himself. Then Trouble takes a level in badass and attacks the abomination. Blood streamed from the turkey's wound and made puddles on the floor. That's actually straight from the book. I just really like that. Yeah, I was going to say, that was actually a really cool moment. Like... Kyle makes a bad, a mad dash for the exits with Trouble. They make it out, and Kyle calls out for Jake, but can't find him. He knows he's in the cave still. He questions whether or not to save him, but decides to do the right thing and goes back to face friggin' Turkey once and for all. Chapter 24. Would you go back? I'm not sure. Like, honestly, like, it's one of those, like, I get it's the right Sam thing to would. do. Sam Sam says it's the right thing to do, but she has that fucking bully, that bully mentality. <laughs> the revenge plot mentality. Well, I was also, like, it's also one of those, I'd probably also be too scared, to yeah. be perfectly honest. Like, it's not even the revenge thing, it's just the, like... Your little baby chicken. Cheep, 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 cheep. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> One's a funny story, boobs. Chapter 24. Kyle returns to the cave and sees poor Jake pitifully cowering in the cave in the muck as Franken-Turkey eyes to strike the boy with deadly force. Jake butts heads with the turkey, knocking it down, and helps Jake up from the muck before Franken-Turkey can get its bearings. They crawl their way out and make a mad dash into the woods, but Kyle is unsure where they're at since it is so dark, and they've been running wild. Jake says it's okay. He knows where to go, so they make a dash as friggin' Turkey is slowly catching up to them. They run, and storm and the storm begins to broil. Lightning strikes in front of them, and Jake can't run anymore because he has a cramp. Mood. That's just yeah. the mood. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kyle offers Jake his shoulder, and they rush out of the woods and see houses and the road. The storm keeps churning, and friggin' Turkey nears them even more. They make... They make it to Kyle's house. He calls for Mom and Annie, but only Annie appears. She doesn't know where Mom is. Kyle tries to give instructions, but thunder cracks the tension as the storm is right above them. He tells her to open the garage door. They get to the garage, and he tells them to go to the corner. Kyle gets on the table as soon as Frank and Turkey enters the garage. The bird lunges at the boy, but he dodges it, and the bird is flustered on the table. Lightning crashes through the window once more. All that remains of the monster is a golden brown turkey cooked to perfection. Those I, were the exact words. I just the love the fact that the mask is gone, the wire hangers the are gone, feathers, the, the feathers, the paint, yeah, the paint, the pillowcase. Everything's gone except for a perfectly cooked turkey. Chapter twenty-five, the final chapter. 
The kids fawn over the cooked turkey. Then in the garage doorway, Gobbles appears! They feel bad for the cold, wet bird. Before long, Mom appears and asks where they got a turkey, since she couldn't find a single store open. The kids admit that they couldn't let Dad kill Gobbles. They lie and say they found a store outside of town with the help of Jake, and that that had a turkey and cooked it up for them. She believes them since the proof is right there. Kyle asks if it's okay to invite Jake and his family to dinner. Jake agrees since his mom can't cook and they eat turkey cold cuts for Thanksgiving. Sad family life. Dot dot dot. <laughs> they all have Thanksgiving dinner and it's a happy ending. And they all Aww. ate paint. They all ate lead paint. <laughs> so what'd you think of this book, Sam? I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah, it had some moments where it was like, this is obviously filling for word count. I was about to say, where I talked about word count is true. Um, But I think it was on, like, we talked about this in the car. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it was on par with Monster Blood 1. Yeah. Uh, it, it's pretty solid. Like, there's some, again, some moments, but... I was about to say, there's some good scary moments. There's some good tension. I enjoy the characters. The bully gets a little bad, but he's not in there that much. Yeah. And he gets his comeuppance early enough, so it's not a problem. And he actually, like, kind of does a face turn. Yeah. Yeah, heel turn. Oh, yeah, heel turn. Yeah. I supposed to say it's a heel turn, huh? Yeah, it's a heel turn. You're right. Uh, so I enjoyed this one as well. It has some good, it has some word count issues at the three quarters point, but all in all, this may become a Thanksgiving tradition for me, in all honesty. I'm glad I picked this one up and can't wait until Frank and Turkey 2 next year. Uh, though one critique I can have is that I'm not a fan of the way they pretty much say Frankenstein's monster is a lumbering monster that goes on a rampage. Then again, I have to take into consideration that a kid has never read Frankenstein or even watched the movies. So in all fairness, I get that. But it would have been cooler if Kyle was like a bookworm and enjoyed Frankenstein and notices some of the similarities, but I'm not going to decrease its score for this Franken-hate. Yeah. Because, like, in all honesty, it's like... I mean, I don't expect a kid... Uh, what, is he going to read the fucking Wishbone Adaption? Actually, I don't think the Wishbone Adaption would have been around by that point. What, t- what year did it come out? Uh, You look up when Wishbone Frankenstein came out. How about that? Okay. How about that? Uh, This book came out in 94. What's the story, Wishbone? The first thing it shows is 1998 for the VHS. I will consider that good enough. So yeah, this yeah definitely didn't read a Frankenstein then, even Wishbone adaptation. The book itself, I found the book. Yeah, um, getting that pulled up. Okay. Ninety six. So still, yeah, no. Yeah, still no, no. This kid, this kid did not travel into the future and read the Wishbone version. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. What would you give it? I'd probably give it. I don't want to say like a four out of five. I, that's what I gave it. I gave it a four out of five as well. Like it's just a, it's a solid fun one. Like yeah. I, I really enjoyed these Goosebumps ripoffs, and I can't wait till we read some more. I'm, I'm hoping we read some more Dead Time stories, or uh, I'm trying to think of the other titles, like a Dead Time stories, you know, all these other ones that I have. But we'll get to them eventually. I mean, we only do a book a month, just because we don't want to have a drinking problem. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I, I had a fun. I, I really can't wait to read some more Bone Chillers, honestly. Yeah. I kind of want to go back and read Beware the Shopping, like start from the start. But, I mean, I'm fine with wh- where we're going. If there's, like, a Christmas one, we can maybe do a Christmas one the next time. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess, if anything, uh, next time on Drunk... Next time on Drunken Book Club. Or do you have any other notes about Frank Turkey? I don't really. Go? Okay. Um, I, I Next time, uh, we are holding a poll on our Twitter account on twitter.com slash SOW underscore podcast. 
Uh, the three book choices are Christmas in Camelot, the Magic Treehouse book. Uh, I, the Wounded Buzzard on Christmas Eve, a Hank the Cowdog book. And the Curse of the Mummy's Tomb Goosebumps book, because that takes place during Christmas time. All for the Christmas Drunken Book Club. So we're excited to have that one. Uh, if you enjoyed what you listened, leave a rate and review us wherever you're listening to us on. Leave a comment. Maybe you, hey, maybe you love Friggin' Turkey too. Let us know. We want to know. I was about to say, I really enjoyed it. Or maybe you didn't like it. Let us know in the comments somewhere. Especially if you're listening to us on SoundCloud. There's definite comments there. Uh, and make sure to follow the podcast at Speaking of Which Podcast on Facebook and SOW underscore podcast on Twitter. And you can follow me at the underscore group on Twitter and Instagram. But follow, those, those are more of my side accounts. My main account is SOW underscore podcast. Sam? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Berserker Rose. And I'm still arguing with myself what song we're going to end on, but I think I want to end on a Ramon song called Making Monsters of My Friends. But we might find a Frankenstein song. You know, maybe Feed My Frankenstein. Feed My... Because they just Uh. feed their Frankenstein. Feed My Frankenstein. (laughs) Well, good night, folks. We're going to fuck. No. In a turkey. No. We're going to fuck a turkey. No. Oh, God. Oh, no. Good night, everyone. Don't fuck a turkey. <laughs> what turkey? I only have... I only have...